यू आर लिस्निंग टू पॉपकास्ट विद गरिमा brand new episode of podcast with garima i'm actually recording after so long so this feels so new and exciting and i'm so thrilled to be joined with somebody who i really look up to she's a spellbinding orator she's an award winning journalist turned entrepreneur she's the founder of she the people tv with a digital reach of 400 million she's also draper hills fellow from stanford a journalist for over 20 years with the country's top awards for her work in media Thank you Shelly for being with us on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. It's my pleasure as well and I'm so delighted um, about the work that you've been doing. So congratulations and thanks for having me. Thank you so much Shelly coming from you that honestly means a lot and uh, I think I will plug this right in the you know in the beginning of the episode if you guys want to catch podcast with Garima's episodes they are all present on Shelly's website which is called Shree the People TV and you can catch a glimpse of all the episodes for season 3 which is titled Empower Her on the website so please go visit okay so since we are at Shree the People TV i want to talk about this your work at Shree the People TV is focused on championing real women real stories and as a platform i'm sure you're always you know watched upon and this this responsibility of educating netizens with nuggets of information that you know you guys put out with your charisms with your posts videos uh you do a wonderful series on youtube called sisterhood with shelly and all of this culminates into every woman you know how she can embrace herself how she can be that dope woman and break every stereotype as we call it popcast that comes her way and i personally look forward to watching all the content that you curate that your team puts out uh, point to hai is the series you know by 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 rena i think that i really love so my question is how do you drive content for one of the leading platforms for women in the country how do you decide what to touch on and what to prioritize So you know here at Shree the People one of the biggest things for us has been not to make any sort of a big revolution our goal we want to create little revolutions those that people can run with and also create a change in their lives for me the biggest um, goal has been to see how Shree the People can become an every woman's platform not reserved for a woman who's just an activist nor is it reserved for just a woman who wants to choose to not be an activist i think the way we look at it is that this is a platform that wants to speak to every woman with her kind of feminism at the forefront and i i say that with great humility that you know for us it's really important to uh, push for change where change has been difficult where women have not been able to find themselves find an inner voice find somebody else who speaks for them or just just sometimes have a sense of self worth so i think um, priority uh, as a term is a heavy term and we spend a lot of time on prioritizing what is important to women across by talking with women you know getting to know what the what the woman who lives across the house uh, is doing and what she's thinking about finding out why women are resonating with one thing versus the other why is it important for them to be heard as home workers as opposed to housewives you know so there are all kinds of really fascinating conversations that i have been having along with the rest of the team with different people and that's the other thing that makes she the people's priorities very very interesting and diverse that all of us who work at she the people come from different walks of lives uh different uh, places around the country the contributors have different experiences 
different difficulties, different stress points, different health challenges. So I think we bring about a very strong sense of diversity in what we are saying, you know, whether it's coming from the village outside Patna where we have a colleague or whether it's coming from Kolkata in the midst of, um, you know, female priests during Durga Puja, you know, so it's like that. It's, it's vibrant in that sense. Yeah, I think it's wonderful and it truly reflects in your content also because, um, you know, a couple of campaigns that that I, I looked up uh, on what She the People TV has been done, has been doing, especially with, you know, how you curate your campaigns. The one I'm talking about is particularly about Dove. I think all of what you spoke about and, you know, what you just encapsulated is actually reflecting in your content and which is great. And the fact that it's so diverse and every new day there's there's a new perspective for me I think it's a it's a mind opener you know it through this podcast and through the conversations that I've had with so many you know incredible women I've been unlearning so much and I would like to give you know a little bit of this credit to your great platform because it helps me find out what I was struggling with as a child and all other you know women out there and things subliminally that has been conditioned and deep rooted to us but we've never really questioned them you know I think that is is what I love particularly about the platform because when I read the post that you guys have put up and then I if it triggers me to question myself I think you've hit the bullseye so I think kudos on the content thank you so much thank you so much you've changed organizations and you've been at you know, the best of your career and now with She The People TV. But one thing has remained constant is you, irrespective of what the brands you were working with or what the brand that you've created. Now, Sherry Chopra is is somebody who people look up to, you know, and, and that is where I was hinting at it. How do you become this one strong force with whatever you do, you know? So are you looking at me talking about how I made a switch at the same time keeping the brand i'm more interested to know that you know everything changed your you you were with different brands now you you have a brand of your own but one thing that's remained constant in your journey you know even as an author as as a news presenter as a journalist as now the editor or the founder of she the people tv you are the brand and that's what i'm interested to know about so was was that a strategic way or how do you actually you know it's just a thought that I had in my mind and this is honestly a freewheeling conversation but it's more like you remain constant across whatever initiatives you know you decide to do so you know it's it's fascinating because I have never you know when you start out you don't go out there with the intent of becoming a brand you become that right you become that because of how people perceive you what they think of you how they uh, want to associate you to trust to reality to something that they resonate with so i think there are many elements to it so just to take you back in time when i started out with cnbc i mean i was really a cub reporter but even in the little uh, role that i played there for the few years that i was for me the aim was not to kind of say okay i'm going to have a job within cnbc that takes me to the top you know and i learned this a little bit from Indra Nui and I think that I've begun to kind of more and more agree with her is that you have to figure out what's your immediate goal it's Mm -hmm. a one year horizon two year horizon three horizon and then you go around achieving that that takes you to the next milestone and the next milestone so similarly at CNBC I my aim was to get myself on television which I did 
right? In six months out of college, I was on global national TV talking about business news. Right? That was a big deal. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you here, but I'm, you know, I'm a pass out from Jamia Millia Islamia. I did my master's in mass communication. I was really hoping to crack conversion journalism, but that was not on the cards. And trust me, when you say that you were out of the college and within six months, you were in front of the television and presenting, I think it's incredible. And I'm so proud of you, you know, Thank you. And I must say that, you know, uh, it wasn't easy to get there, but it's like, you know, you just completely bust your ass getting there in terms of doing everything you can. Uh, and then you get an opportunity. So there are always two ways to deal with an opportunity. One of them is to take it and run. And the other is to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to give it a try, but it doesn't work out. Another will come. I'm the first bag, right? When it comes to me, I pick it up and like hold it like my life. So that was the thing. I always wanted to become a journalist and becoming a television journalist was truly the biggest ambition that I ever had. So after CNBC, I moved to NDTV and I have this habit of moving into startups within the media space because I have always felt very excited about building something new and being part of its journey. That's not to say that I used to think flippantly about, you know, jumping ship. Uh, but every time I made a switch, I made it very consciously thinking that this brand will capitalize on me as somebody who's building credibility and I will bring it what it doesn't have, right? Which is a trust of a voice, a face who talks with a great deal of background and experience and research when she's talking about, let's say, a financial merger or whatever. So I think for me, that became an interesting way of making um, the three important switches that I did over a 15 to 18 year career, which was to go from CNBC and have a very long stinted NDTV where we helped create the brand uh, in the business world and then switch from there to Times, right? Each time I made the switch, I was very central to the branding that they were creating, uh, the brand new branding they were creating for their existing uh, new channels that were going to come up. I mean, they're not existing, but new channels that were going to come up. So here we had global brands, but they were all creating sub-brands to find a new identity in spaces that never been Aka mm. business. Yeah. So I think it was really important for me to kind of recognize that about them and lend them both my hard work as well as the brand image that I was creating for myself slowly and steadily, right? Um, with each passing year, with each story break, with, um, with talking about big companies entering India or covering the Taj terror attacks as the first female on ground, I think a lot of these things really added to credibility of each channel that I worked for. Uh, in that sense, when I set up She the People, uh, I was the brand and She the People was not. Right. So I think that's the right assessment. But the important thing to think about is that when I set up She the People, and even now, more people know She the People, they come to know who I am over time. And mm. for me, that became the challenge. After 20 years of media, where I became the brand, I wanted to create a brand that was initially not, not just because of who I was but because of what I built. And that's why I'm very proud after seven years of She the People's existence that it has become a brand that stands for itself. And I am part of its team. There are many other team members who are probably more popular than I am in the social world. And I'm absolutely delighted with that, you know. So that's how I went about brand building. It's asking yourself how much importance are you going to give yourself or build something that has longevity beyond one individual. And I learned that from Pranoy Roy. Don't build a company that is set upon one person. It's a company that's set for its own brand credibility. 
and that's what i think she the people became wow that's like gold right now you know the information that you're sharing i say i love speaking with people where i can you know harness all of their experience i mean it's practically impossible unless you have your own defined journey and you know you meet your own challenges but it's always great especially to listen uh, from people like yourself you know where where as i said you know all of your years of experience if we can harness into this one conversation and it could potentially help a future young entrepreneur or a young leader you know i hope so i hope so <laughs> i think this is i'm also pretty lost when i arrived on the entrepreneurship circuit really to speak so speaking about that i mean i've heard you say that you're an accidental author and i am an accidental entrepreneur <laughs> i started with my podcast and then it was a serendipitous journey and i i sold off my first venture to the company that i'm presently working with so my question to you is and since you know actually your books revolve around leadership you know my question is what are some of the learnings as an entrepreneur or any tips or tricks that you can give and i hate to say it but especially for the young women leaders out there any learnings or anything that you know you could or anything to avoid maybe so you know i think every entrepreneur goes through a journey of learning that we can't prescribe or be prescriptive about at mm-hmm. any point of time because everybody's entrepreneurship journey is different uh, some go through difficult times raising money others go difficult times finding an idea many times just having the confidence to start it up so in that sense you know i always say a few things which i think are general but really useful reminders of how tardy and difficult this entire role of an entrepreneur is in their life so i think to begin with i would say that one is about believing in whatever your idea is i had more naysayers than you know supporters when i began in 2015 and my set of naysayers were prominent personalities around the country because they saw me every day on tv and just thought that i shouldn't jump off the television screen and get into some digital world which i don't even know and on top of that look at focusing at women which most people call niche but never really thought it like me who said half the population is not niche right so i think um first point is to spend a great deal of time arguing with yourself what are my arguments for myself how will i stand up my ground in front of so many people uh i still struggle sometimes because even after 7 years there are people who will just come down you know pounding at you uh just making you feel more and more disbelief in your own self so i think one is to constantly remind yourself this is your idea and if somebody is actually trying to persuade you to go away from it meaning that there must be something unique about this because they haven't been seen normally and when people are so used to seeing ideas you know entrepreneurs today tell me most of them will be said hey listen i like your idea but tell me where in the west it's been done this is the first question people want they want a validation yeah right and i think i find that really stupid because why do you want a validation it's a new idea it's never been done before how about that mm. right we just trivialize it we want validation for everything we're doing hey by the way this is my next 100 crore startup but guess what somebody may tell me 10 million off it or whatever 30 million off it in in the us and that's why i'm doing it hey wow you just copycatted that right okay. so i just feel <laughs> that we've got to stand up for ourselves for unique ideas that seems stupid mm. uh, to ourselves so that's number one i think number two is um is is really find uh, a core team that starts believing in you 
because that team is going to help you execute your idea. So that's the second piece of it, finding more people who believe in your idea and go with them on board the ship. I think the third is to recognize that uh, if you're here for long-term entrepreneurship, you can't make fundraising your starting point. You need some funds, but it can't be the biggest point for you to start out. If that is the case, then there's a problem with the idea in the first place, that it can't even take off without being a self-run revenue story. Yeah. Right. So I think more practically, I've always felt that if you can make your own money, you can at least choose your own investors. Otherwise, you'll be stuck with those you don't want because mm-hmm. you just are so desperate. So I think that's another way to look at it. Um, fourth is that I think, I mean, I built a media space, which is a community driven space. But today, a lot of people are building products and just products and products. And I think that they are really desperate to have communities. I think communities can be a great starting point for platforms and products that are doing anything but building communities, right? So I think that's really important. But other than that, I just think that individuals should try and have fun in all the stress that they get as an entrepreneur, which is uh, a very, possibly the most difficult part of being one, which is staying happy while trying to birth this (laughs) completely complicated pregnancy. Oh my God, I love the analogy. (laughs) I think it's wonderful. You know, I think... You know, 100% agree to whatever you said. Another small thing that has worked for me personally is that, you know, I come from a very small town from the interiors in Rajasthan. Every little errand that I've picked up in my life and I've ever, like ever since I finished my high school, since then, whatever little, you know, internships, jobs, copywriting, any, any little errand that I've ever picked up, I think has helped me become who I am today. So I might have hated my job of you know, at Tata Sons, when I was working as a corporate communication consultant for them, I used to hate writing press releases. But now when I have to write a press release for my own company, or generally, you know, I think every little thing that you do in your life sort of comes Comes back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know how to put it in the best way. Maybe you can help me. But the idea is don't demean any little job that, you know, you can take up as simple as even faxing something. You know, every yeah. little thing is so important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there's a there's a great deal of learning in everything. You know, even the people who start by going to the coffee machine and getting their boss coffee when they're interning. Mm. You learn how to run a coffee machine. I mean, I still don't know how to do I that. Because you, <laughs> you, you've just got to, because you know what? I mean, really speaking, you may be giving coffee to somebody who is very senior in the organization, but you're getting FaceTime with that person. He's not going to forget you or she's not going to forget you. And I think there is a, there's a great deal to be said about FaceTime. Yeah. Right? And how do you um, leverage those five minutes, you know, when you actually are in that conversation and make the best of it and leave a mark so that. I wouldn't even say leverage initially, right? Just make a connection. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So sometimes that really makes a big difference, right? I mean, like, think about it. Some of the best CEOs in the world today are supported by teams who have built their trust with those individuals over time and slowly and from rudimentary things, right? I mean, as a as a journalist, I must have um, trained close to 30 to 40 CEOs talking about how they need to present themselves, what is an appropriate word, what isn't. Mm. But here, it wasn't like, you know, you're, you're trying to train them because you're not you're, you know, you're not cat's whiskers, you know your stuff, but here are these top guys who need help. And you can help them in the most 
important, relevant, small ways that can change the perception these CEOs have in the world. So I think it's really fascinating to see how one can make a big difference in people's lives and shape a, a very a very meaningful career in small different ways. I'll give a really, really inane example. Back in 2013, when I decided to quit make mainstream television and I was still figuring out what would be my, my big digital play, you know, I went to the US for two months via Sri Lanka. And I remember taking my little, little the first iPhone, which was my phone, and said that, you know, I have a feeling I can use this phone to create videos. And if I speak to people, I just want to understand if they'll take me seriously. So I went um, and the first person I bumped into was just the kind of person I was looking for, right? A really high profile guy that was Shashi Tharoor. And I asked him, I said, look, I'm going to be interviewing you on this device. Okay. It's like five, four and a half inches. Are you going to give me an interview? So he said, yes, I will. So I said, there are two ways for me to look at this interview. One, you're giving it to me because you know who I am. And then you would like that uh, interview uh, with somebody who's a credible journalist. But the second reason you'll give me that interview is because tomorrow you can have many such people with little devices come to you for interviews, which will tell you that the potential of doing an interview doesn't necessarily require you to get into a cab and get into a studio and reach a television office. So I did that interview and the next two months, I did like loads and loads and loads of interviews across the world, particularly in the US and anywhere else I went from there. And I realized that people took me just as seriously as they would have on a big screen, right? So boom, a small tool, a small experiment reminded me how important it is that all of those connections that you might have made will start giving in to technology changes that most people think are embarrassing. And they were embarrassing back then. People wanted like two camera guys, one light, one boom mic, and all and of that. And to Raj. And to take you seriously. And yeah, that's it. I, I came back from the US and I was like, I know how I'm going to set up my digital shop. I will not have an office. I will not need a studio. I will hire studios when I need them. Uh, and I will do it like this. So it's, it's just an example of how small yeah. things and experiments go a long way. Yeah, I think this is a great, great example. And the whole world, something that you, you know, possibly thought about years back is now the new normal. That's how everything is being shot. And that's like, who would have thought, you know, this would have become a thing. And talking about you training CEOs, is this the bit that people can find on your website, which which is under the initiative, Pitching Yourself with Shetty Chopra? Is that the one you're talking about? So, you know, my website really needs an overhaul and I haven't had the time to do that, I guess, with so much that I do and my website needs a permanent overhaul. But um, so, yeah, you can basically reach out to me for sessions mm -hmm. uh, and I do that one-on-one -on -one, uh, for entrepreneurs, for rising entrepreneurs, for young women who are looking to get themselves more confidence to speak at networks um, for the media and various mm -hmm. spaces. So that's definitely something that I do, but I don't talk very much about it because there's sort of like an internal circuit that has sort of built around a lot of people reach out to me and I sort of kind of, um, you know, fix up sessions with them or multiple or one session, depending on their needs to help them navigate their journey. Yes, that's uh, part of what I do. I think that's, you know, because when I was doing my homework before this interview and I actually stumbled upon this and I think this is 
this is a very nice uh, it 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 could potentially qualify as a diploma course in itself you know <laughs> you you karma you helping me build it okay yes yes for sure i mean always at your disposal <laughs> all right yeah, yeah. so let's go to the next question i was actually very curious from all the email threads that i've exchanged with you you have a wonderful signature which i would like to tell all my listeners also so the signature reads behind every woman is herself and i think that is yeah. so empowering and and it just wants you to pause for a second reflect on you know whatever you've been doing how did that come about is that an actual quote or is this invented by you i was raised in a very simple home mm-hmm. uh, where we were two sisters and um, it was really important for me uh, to to be myself okay uh and my dad was ex- extremely what should i say independent about how he wanted to raise his daughters he was clear that his daughters needed to be uh women who chose their own paths uh made their own decisions uh took uh, hard calls about their lives um and and really never have had to have somebody else offer the wind beneath our wings and i think that somewhere always resonated for me when i think about um where one thinks of um, where one's journey starts about being yourself and standing up for yourself but i think this quote sort of became an extract of who we were raised to be uh, as women who stood for themselves and spoke up for themselves and stood by all good or bad and ugly decisions we made so for me it was always always like that and i think um you know my hunch is that somebody might have used this at some point in their lives it doesn't seem like a quote that can can't be conjured up but it's something it's something that i um thought of for myself when i was thinking of myself um but i i do know that there are a bunch of books that are named this etc as well i've just never found any human being who might have necessarily used this quote in the exact term but yes but for me it is such an important quote that reminds you that you are the empowerment you're looking for and that actually you know wants me to talk about your book um feminist rani um now what i love about that book it's not gyan it's you know a book about everyday feminism but from your lens which is very unique um in fact gurmeher who you, you know is also part of this podcast series that we have and she's also part of your book and in one of the conversations that i actually had with nirmika singh who's the editor of rolling stones for this current season she mentioned a very interesting point which is ki pitra satta ke jis kuye se aadmi peete hain usi kuye se aurte bhi peete hain so how women are also patriarchal and especially with everything that pop culture has fed us over the years you know women pitting against each other and this jealousy and that oh you know two g- girls can never be you know like uh, you know career wise in a, in a good space and so this revolution that we're talking about which feminism is now i know in a in a broad spectrum we are of course targeting men and making them learn and learn a lot of you know things about how women would ideally want it to be but how do we make this revolution more mainstream so women can actually benefit from being strong allies to each other so that women shed this inhibition that you know this woman is my threat or is my competition and how can yeah. women as i said how can we be better allies to each other because that is very important 
Okay, so I think really speaking, the question lies in what you said at the last, how can we be better allies to each other? Yeah. Uh, look, you know, um, there's no doubt that uh, you need to have conversations with men about how one can break the system of patriarchy, largely because that it has been defined by majority of men who have also um, conditioned other women in that envelope of patriarchy. So very much so, the challenge lies with... Um, men and women to deal with this uh, patriarchal system. And I don't question the fact um, that today women need help too to break that patriarchal system. Women are patriarchal, many of them. But I think, you know, one of the objectives that She the People has been is to not judge those women. It's to recognize that there is a problem. Yeah. And that problem is not just one of their own making. Right. When a woman is conditioned to believe that certain person that she should be against another woman or she should question her daughter-in-law or sister-in-law or sister, you know, uh, on everything, because there is a hierarchy, there's a patriarchal play, there is power play. You know, these are conditionings. So I feel that one of the, our objectives as a platform has always been to see how can women recognize and acknowledge the problems they are in that itself is half the battle won, right? And then you start working upon it, which is what brings me to this whole idea of sisterhood. Um, and when I was thinking of a name for my show, the only name that occurred to me that I wanted to ever have was sisterhood, because I believe that today women can create a great deal of um, higher paced change by being in a sisterhood, by creating a sisterhood, um, by supporting within that sisterhood. Um, women can be equal allies, um, not equal, maybe better allies uh, for each other in many ways, not judging each other, not asking each other why they lost weight or gained weight by questioning the other person's feminism, by questioning or demeaningly saying, why are you a homemaker and don't go to office? Why are you wearing these short skirts? How come you're not breastfeeding your child? Breastfeeding is very important. Uh, have you lost your baby fat? When are you going to get rid of those stretch marks? I mean, I just think the list is endless, right? Um, how can you wear such a short skirt to the workplace? How can you talk so loudly? Why are you sitting like this? You know, you're so aggressive. How can you be a team player? I think women need to just cut it down, amp it down on asking each other questions. You can be a support system in a supportive voice. You can also ruin that entire effort of being able to be a true sister if you aren't able to talk to her in a way that she can actually fix something should she be wrong. So I think women need to be allies to each other. And unfortunately, we can't really get to an intellectual level because we have so much silly stuff to erase still, right? On this whole judging each other um, and, and, and getting rid of that first. Because I think if that small step of judging each other gets done, only then we can intellectually really deeply help each other. The entry barrier to women being allies to each other, if we can actually get rid of that by, by you know, not questioning the very minuscule things that, you know, it might bother us about each other, but actually looking at the bigger picture and, and thinking how can we support each other, I think, yeah, for sure. You know, I have a lot of questions, but I think the clock is ticking. So I'm going to draw my final two questions. Uh, one is is very fun, which is good, which is actually called 
what are you so these are questions about okay let's start actually so what are you binging watching wise yeah i mean watching or podcasts or anything what are you binging okay so i'll be very honest i've just really not had the had the time right now to catch up on too many podcasts off late but maybe i'll wait for your season yeah. uh, and start binging and um, but yeah i've been watching a lot of um, spanish shows many of which incidentally uh, show women in the hot seat of the you know she she's shown as the in, in the place of the patriarch and i find those really fascinating because uh, you know the spanish and the mexican families are very similar to the indian families yes. business family yes. right yes. They're messed up and they're they screwed up in many levels and there's so much money and the money can't go out of the family and you know there's all of that jazz and i find it really fantastic how they show the women navigating this shit every single way and standing up to everything that comes at their face and not letting that chair get diluted or not let that money get wild away so i'm doing that a lot i watched um monarca which mm-hmm. is of a, te- a tequila household that runs a big tequila business then i watched velvet which is um a boutique i mean it sounds really cheesy the name but the it's it's like a fashion house story then i watched a lovely one which is like all about the sisterhood called valeria um where a woman is just trying to have dysfunctional relationships and wondering what she's going to do but her friends are like her biggest thing so i think a bunch of things that i've been binging on i love truth be told which is a journalist with a podcast onto a yeah. show so she is a woman who runs a podcast which becomes really popular about crime stories and finding the truth behind it so truth be told is another one and i i am totally legs up and um uh literally with a wine glass watching Chesa- chesapeake shores which is a very i guess <laughs> silly family drama extremely white unfortunately i keep saying they need to get like more diverse people in there mm-hmm. but um but it's just like a decent time pass um that and i think uh, virgin river but again i feel that they could certainly be more diverse they're too white <laughs> yes <laughs> great uh, very refreshing to actually hear because the internet is dominated by you know squid games and all of these shows that i think everybody is binging on so this is a fresh breath of air and you've actually given me records to watch now so i'm very happy about that um, what are you listening to oh great so i lis- i have been i have made a comeback to music in a way that um i really should have uh, long ago you know um as an entrepreneur i am stuffed with just ideas and deadlines and to-do lists but i really have started finding time for some music and i listen to a very diverse list so bear with me whoever is listening to this podcast um i'm a huge fan of a specific piece called vigna raja by amjad ali khan uh, on the sarod and then i am a huge fan of um, drut gat teen tal which i can write down for uh, you know garima to write for you by hari prasad chaurasia when you listen yes. to these two yes they are just they've got a pop in their sound and they are they kind of make you feel that you can buzz on a lovely relatively slow song you know there's something to be said about it mm. i listen to a song which is very um durga durgama called aigiri nandini and i listen to it 
fast paced version i can run on it and i know some of you are laughing in terms of music otherwise i am a big fan of jeffrey ikbal's version of chap tilak i'm a huge fan of um, queen jeffrey ikbal's version of chap tilak is the one which is mixed with some english song also is it that one yes. i like me better when i'm with you and yes. then chap yes. correct yes yes we're going to i'm going to add in a little bit of jeffrey here somewhere here super <laughs> so yeah so i really like, like that and i i play the drums uh, for the last um, 12 18 months now that's a revelation i didn't know yeah so i've been listening to a lot of drum drums drum dominated music so obviously i listen to queen i listen to bob marley i listen to i listen to a lot of them actually all of them all of def leppard i mean it's not to say that i can play all of them but yeah i i can st- i can play some of the basics of many of these guys now and um it's been a fascinating journey learning the drums yeah nice you learn drums in the lockdown or like you've been yeah. So I turned forty, and my uh, husband got me a drum set, and I have been wanting drums. I think since I turned ten, because I wanted to just drum. It's the only instrument that I ever ever wanted to learn. Um, I've learned a lot of instruments in my life, including um, harmonium and I love harmonium. I love sitar. I love harmonium, and I love saxophone. Like these are my three jams. Yeah, harmonium and so sitar remember- are like. love like pure magic and saxophone is my childhood love bachpan ka pyar yeah so the, the drums happened in the lockdown and i refused to leave them i just love doing that i love i love learning them it's just it's just super fun nice and last one what are you manifesting right now let's put it on the universe oh that's really interesting in terms of an entrepreneur or hey, how would you define manifesting you are whatever you're manifesting whatever that you know yeah i just have one thought that always stays with me and i think that at any given time when i'm lost i'm just manifesting that i think the sun is the tiramisu of my life and it helps me come up with ideas when i want it to i i haven't really i mean i think yeah i'm thinking about health tech as a space i want to work in yeah i mean i'm looking at chatbots i spend a lot of time in the sun thinking hoping some idea will And you're also in the mountains right now, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, I've been living. I've been splitting my life between Gurgaon and uh, a little, a little house in the hills. Wow, um, so a lot of peace. But yeah, it's just been fun. It's been fun and it's been tough. Yeah, equal portions of fun and tough, and we'll always yeah. be fun. you know over the tough bits so yeah okay i'm going to draw my final question shelly what does a day in the life of india's top 50 powerful women in media look like it's a tough question but i think um let me set the course for you by saying uh, i am a mom of two kids i run four little businesses and i i spend a lot of time spending um, you know advising and mentoring young women and men uh, through their media challenges so my plate sort of permanently overflowing uh, but yeah i think sometimes i do find time to sit and make a ravan craft with my kid in between a podcast assignment like this or in between some team calls that um, one has to get through 
or of course writing a book which is also going to be my fifth book which i'm in the middle of submitting so it's i live a life of chaos uh, but i am convinced that chaos is what runs me and i can never not have a mad life it sort of brings a great deal of peace you know to my uh, day if i have a lot going on i feel calm and comfortable <laughs> with things around me so it's a it's a very it's an oxymoron at some level but it's it's really what keeps me going if i have too much of nothing to do i just don't know how i would function i don't glorify this but i enjoy this for myself and i recognize that um, having to constantly juggle balls in the air can get tiring so i give myself a break that way but yes i think it's a punishing schedule for anybody to have but i enjoyed maybe because i was trained in the media you know they throw anything at you and you've got to make it work i think personally for me also the days when i'm done with all my to do lists and like one of those rare days i just feel so handicapped thinking okay ab main kya karu you know i need to be constantly doing something um, so i would find ways of making my own little passion projects and i think for anybody who's a for anybody who's a hustler out there you know they're always in the lookout for yeah. doing more expanding their knowledge and you know talking to people and in this case thank you so much for a wonderful interview shelly i think i learned so much everybody who is who's you know been patient enough to hear two women chatting for so long i think thank you so much everybody for listening to us i think this was gold and and i'm and i'm not kidding this but whatever i could manage to extract from you in this conversation is going to help me and uh, hopefully all the people who've been listening so thank you so much for the time this was long due. thank you i'm so glad we could make this happen thanks so much for having me